Bulldogs, and welcome to the Doghouse. I'm Diana. And I'm David. It's Riverdale Season 4, Episode 11, Chapter 68, Quiz Show. Giving Frank a second chance, Archie gets him a job at Andrew's Construction. Betty's determined to defeat Brett and Stonewall Prep at the Quiz Show Championship. Veronica and Cheryl team up for an unlikely business venture. It got marginally better. This is a very standard Riverdale episode. There's a little bit about this character. There's a little bit about this character. There's conflict. They're stupid. There's sexy time. Teenagers got a teenager. Adults got to be dumb. Like, this is a normal Riverdale episode. There wasn't anything that made me, like, pissed. Oh, oh, there's some stuff that pissed me off. Oh, really? Uh, well, I mean, okay, so we start with, you know, Jughead is actually typing away at Pops. Second time, no recap. I'm getting sad here. Man, there's no recap the recap for David. Let me recap the recap. I know. So Jughead's typing away at Pops. We see Betty is quizzing her team. We see Brett quizzing his team. But the only person who is immune to quiz show fever is Archie Andrews, who is feeling a lot less lonely these days. And so we see Archie go into the kitchen and we see Frank in the kitchen in a plaid shirt and a towel over his shoulder. He's making breakfast. And it's very much made to make him look exactly like Fred. Yeah. Which is fine. Mm -hmm. It's the first day as foreman. And Archie is going to let Frank use Fred's tool belt. Frank says, no, I can't take another man's gear, especially not my brother's. Archie's like, you're not taking it, you're borrowing it. And he'd want you to, and so do I. So this is very sweet. And I just keep thinking like, I hope this doesn't bite you in your ass. Oh, well, it will. (laughs) Uh, Why did you make him foreman? Give him a job, maybe, but put him in charge? Because as Tom Keller will tell him later, you're too trusting. (sighs) Which is annoying because we've seen this too many times with Archie. But I will say that later, I feel like there is a moment of maturity from him, which I do appreciate. There is. I just, it's like they escalated the stakes immediately. Because you could have done the same story with him just being like a senior guy on staff and not the guy running the show. But see, Archie is automatically putting Frank in his dad role. So that's where his dad would try to put him. Like he's trying to make him his dad's surrogate and it's not working too great because he's not his dad really at all. Oh, Archie. Yeah, so that's the problem. But like that's a very normal, like this this all is like, yeah, this all makes sense. I mean, if you you can accept the fact that a 17 or 18 year old should be running a construction company by themselves. <laughs> he shouldn't be, but yeah. <laughs> he is uh, he is part owner, I, I guess it would seem. Yeah. Him and his mom. So, whatever. <laughs> we go over to Stonewall Dorm, and it is post-sexy time with Jug and Betty. And, like, they're happy. And then Jughead makes the mistake of letting it slip that Gale accepted him. <laughs> and she's just like, ugh. Yeah, it's just bad. <laughs> that, that whole, did you... Did you just really do that? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I did. Mm-hmm. Oh crap! Let me let me show you how much how proud I am of you. Oh, more sex, gross. Oh. gross. So no. Th- so then we cut to Betty leaving, and Brett sees her in the hallway, and I was like, "You two are finally done." I thought I'd be late for class, <laughs> which is that's funny. And he just makes this comment that I'll, he'll see her in New Haven next year because she'll just be a visitor. And she's like, "You got into Yale." don't look so surprised i'll try to keep the co-eds away from forsyth but no promises i do promise to crush you in the quiz show finals if riverdale makes it that far 
Forget Bughead. This rivalry is so delicious. It is adorable because nobody goes up against Betty this way except for her mom. And that was starting to get really boring. So it's fun to see Betty have a nemesis. She needs a nemesis. She, ne- she does need a nemesis. And Bright is very evenly matched with her. So. Mm-hmm. I like it. We go over to a Riverdale classroom and Veronica and Cheryl are talking to Dr. Beaker, their <laughs> chemistry teacher. It's cheesy, but it's very in-universe. <laughs> And they they ask him to analyze their maple-based rum to make sure it's different enough from Lodge rum. So this is actually a pretty smart move on their part to, okay, we've already gotten killed once by this patent. We need to make sure that before we do anything else that this is different enough. And it's the most high school way they could do that ever. Well, of course it is. <laughs> like, okay, but this this makes sense. This makes sense. Everything else that's about to happen with them makes zero sense to me. Um, and I hate it. I don't entirely agree. We go over to a Stonewall classroom and Mr. DuPont is basically telling Jughead that the publishers don't like his story. They want a new one. And they kind of want a serial killer. And Jughead's just like, oh, dang, this sucks. There's no way this is a coincidence. They have to know every single thing about him. I don't believe that they officially approved the first one. They wanted him under contract to force him into this. Yes. I feel like that's a thing. Oh, it's a whole thing. And also they're called the Brotherhood. Ew. Which, barf. We go over to the FBI office. Hey, there's Charles. Oh, good. And Jughead is asking Charles for information on some serial killers, to which Charles like, yeah, it's not a problem, but like, you have firsthand experience with one, so. (laughs) And Jughead's like, oh, you mean the Black Hood? No, I can't do that to Betty. Which Yeah. Which, again, major fucking foreshadowing. And Chuck's just like, yeah, I I can help you. Not a problem. And Jughead is just like, thanks, I owe you. And I'm like, this was a job for Google. <laughs> this was a Google job, not a Chuck job. Well, okay. He, here's what I would say. If you're mm-hmm. writing a book yeah. of, of fiction and trying to get those little details right. Sure. He's got easy access to case files, which are much deeper and darker than what he could just get on a so, Google search. So I would have rather him ask Charles, can you find me some serial killers that were a little more unusual? I want to, I was like, I need someone who's in the vein of the Zodiac Killer and Charlie Manson, but I need something a little bit different. Someone who might be a little lesser known. Someone that's not going to be a top 10 hit on Google. Oh, so you mean this show is fucking lazy? Oh, yeah. Hey. Yeah, we've mentioned that before. <laughs> we go over to the Andrews Construction site. And Frank is just talking to the crew. And then Archie's like, I especially want to thank Tom Keller for filling in during these difficult times. Let's get back to work. Tom Keller is hot as hell. Mm-hmm. He's so pretty. Definitely Tom. hot. Hot dads of Riverdale. Uh-huh. And he's a little annoyed. He says, you know, I would have appreciated a heads up that I was being replaced. Yeah. And Archie's like, I know it happened fast, but Frank has a ton of experience and I think the crew's going to love him. Tom says, I got to be honest with you. I don't know about your uncle. He's been trouble since the day he was born. I must have arrested him half a dozen times when I was sheriff. <laughs> Which this doesn't, the age range doesn't make. So he was sheriff, but he was arresting Frank. How long was he sheriff? How much younger is Frank than the rest of them? 
they really fudged all the parents' ages to a degree that's really obnoxious. None of us fucking know. The show doesn't run on logic. Yeah. And so, like, this is a fair concern. And Archie just kind of goes, that was then. My dad believed in second chances, Mr. Keller, and so do I. Barry, Archie, this is a bit too much. Here's my problem. Archie's being Archie. Mm -hmm. That's totally cool. But the circumstances they're putting him in make no sense. Mm -hmm. And it, it strains credulity. To where I go, yeah, I know this is how Archie would act in this situation. Mm-hmm. I'm like, is he not in school? What is he doing at the freaking construction office? Well, I, whatever. I, don't I even just, care. there's a whole lot about it that I go, why are you, why do you keep putting him in these extreme situations when he's going to act the same if you did something a little less high school? Well, that's true of all of them. Why are you not in school? Why are you doing this other shit? It makes no sense. Give us a believable reason for them to act like their characters. We go over to the quiz show, and the host is played by Maddie Finocino, who is also a character who's also playing somebody in season or part three of The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. So that's kind of fun. Uh, and so it's quiz show time. They're at the semifinals. It's Seaside High versus Riverdale. Betty's answering basically everything, and that's it. And they win. That's the scene. But Brett is there. To just try and psych out Betty. And then Charles is also there. He's like, hey, you did great. Betty's kind of like, oh, it might not be enough to beat him. He clearly came here to to get me off of my game. Is there something you could do to help me with him? To which Charles says, as long as it doesn't involve a shallow grave and lie. (laughs) Which is a nice callback because he ain't forgetting about that. Let's not forget he is working with Chick. Yeah. Yeah. And so she's like, no, 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 go figure out what's like his background, what his whole thing is. And he's like, is this because you didn't get into Yale? It's like Alice told me, which sure she might have. But again, he's listening to her phone calls. Who knows? So yeah. And Betty says, you know, I worked my ass off for four years. I put an extra time with the blue and gold. I've maintained a 4.1 GPA. And I didn't get in and not knowing why is driving me crazy, which is totally fair. But... Betty, 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 Betty. Betty. Charles is going to go ask one of his mentors and find out from Yale. Okay, cool. We go back to Stonewall. We're in a classroom and Jughead is presenting his new plan. It's about a serial killer named the Fishmonger, which is named that way because he guts his victims. This is not very good. No, he's very lackluster about it. And so the Brotherhood people are like, man, this isn't interesting. Jughead tries to pivot. Okay, what about a serial killer who uses social media in order to stalk his prey? Oh, come on. And then DuPont. Forsyth's best work stems from his personal experiences. I suggest you start there. Which, again, this, there's no coincidence here. This was forced. Of course. And so Jughead's like, okay, what about an obsessed serial killer who is looking to expose the hypocrisy and sins of his neighbors? And the Baxter brothers discover that the man unleashing his righteous rage is the father of Bobby Baxter's girlfriend, Tracy True. Well, you done did it, Jug. The thing is, it could have been like, he could have said like, is the father of a close friend. And then he could have not made it her, his girlfriend, but he had to because he's dumb. And then, oh, what's the name of the killer? Uh, the Brown Hood. <laughs> this sounds like a million dollar idea. Riverdale. Barf, barf, itty barf, 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 barf. Uh, bad, bad move, Jug. Just mm. bad move. Not great. We go back to Andrew's construction and Archie is talking to tom and he's like hey i drove by the site but where are the guys and tom is kind of frustrated 
And like Frank called it a day and decided to invite everybody back to your place for beers and tall tales. And Archie's like, well, okay, why don't you want to go? Somebody's got to balance the books, Archie. They're a bit of a mess. And Archie's like, what? I am shocked. Huh? Oh, big dumb boy. And it's like, well, for starters, nobody received their Christmas bonuses. Your dad never missed a year. So like, okay, these guys didn't get paid what they're used to getting paid. And Archie's just like, yeah, we'll bounce back. We just need more time. So like Archie's really not taking it seriously that like the business needs serious help and you nor your uncle can can handle it. There needs to be an actual person in charge. Which there is one, but you fucked that up. Uh-huh. So we go over to Andrew's house and we see, you know, the crew and Frank, everyone's drinking and Frank's telling this story about Fred, you know, stealing Seaside High's mascot. And just being really silly. And Archie's really enjoying it. Like, he's really enjoying having all these people in the house. He's enjoying hearing the story of his dad. Like, he, you can see him smiling. And later, they're cleaning up. And he's talking to Frank. And Frank's like, man, your old man knew how to pick a crew. Reminds me of the guys I served with. And Archie's like, okay, but Mr. Keller said that some of the guys were upset they didn't get their bonuses this year. And Frank says, you're so much like your dad. Always worried about other people. Relax. We got this. And it's like, oh... Yeah. If Archie were not big dumb Archie, mm-hmm. this would have been his first clue to get this guy out. Mm-hmm. If Frank's response had been like, let's see what we can do to fix that, it would have been much better. Like, seriously, just have him work at the site. Mm-hmm. He just yeah. needs a steady job. Well, he's got to give him He's got to give him his rightful place as a family member. And it's like, nope. He's not a leader. <laughs> Nepotism ain't a good thing. We head on over to the Pembroke and we're in Hiram's study with Veronica and Cheryl offering Hiram a bottle of their new rum. And he's like, I own the patent on this rum. Correction, daddy. You own the patent on sad, tired, molasses-based rum. Ours is maple-based. And they tell him that they already had it checked, which means you can't sue us or stop us. And should you be inspired to create your own version of our invention, Consider yourself forewarned because we control the patent on maple rum. And like Cheryl's just like, okay, toodles. And she leaves. And then Veronica gets very in his face. It's like, in other words, daddy, our rum war is back on. Fuck, you did so well last time. Last time, dad was trying to get you under his thumb. And you said, you know what? Too much has happened. No, you just played right back into him. You found a way to beat him in this rum thing in that you came up with something new. You pivoted in a new direction and it worked great. Good for you. But now you're playing right back into this childish bullshit by going directly to him and being like, nah, 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 boo boo. This scene uh-huh. does not need to exist. No, it doesn't. If he just comes in and raids the bar. It makes this, it makes that scene work so much better. Yeah. He's like, oh shit, daddy found out what I was doing because he's keeping tabs on me. But they can't help themselves no, to undercut themselves at every fucking turn. I just was like, I'm so tired. I'm so tired of it. And I think that's why it pissed me off every mm-hmm. time they went back to the story because I went, well, now I know exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I would have liked it better because then it shows that she is like she's still in this war, but she's keeping shit to herself because telling your dad is provoking him into this argument, this explosion. And yeah, story wise, it makes more sense if he just shows up and is like, oh, Miha, you thought you could continue this under my nose and I wouldn't know about it. Like that would have been more sense. 
I am tired of this show making the fun turn for the sake of the fun turn. And it's it's not that fun, and it's very expected. Yeah. We go over to the FBI office, and Charles hands Betty a folder. Oh, my. <gasps> Betty goes over to the Stonewall dorm, and she, you know, just barges into their room, and Joker's like, what's up, Betty? I'm so onto you, Brett. God, you just think you're so untouchable, and that everyone is beneath you, but the truth is you're a filthy cheater. And it's like, whoa, what's going on? Like, Jughead's like, what are you doing, Betty? Like, like Jughead's almost trying to defend Brett. I mean, almost. Well, he's like, what is this about? Mostly he's just going, you just ran in the room making accusations. What the hell? So we find out that Brett's dad paid someone to take the PSATs for Brett. Ha ha ha. Get it? Yeah. And then Brett's father covered it all up and then bought his way into Stonewall. And the assumption is that he bought his way into Yale, too. Because, as Betty says, you haven't earned a single thing in your life, Brett. You're just a pathetic, rich kid. And Brett doesn't miss a beat. Why are you making me out to be the villain here? It's not like I'm the one writing a YA fiction based off of the exploits of your deranged father. What an evil motherfucker. But, like, totally makes sense. Like, this is like, he's twisty mustache and you're like, get it, Brett. Like, you're going to play? He's like, I'm I'm here to play. Well, yeah, except that... The real the real send-off here is how calm he is when she throws the accusation. He doesn't care. He it doesn't to him it doesn't matter. This there, is just normal shit. There are no consequences to this. No, not for Brett. But there are definitely consequences to the thing he's about to lob. Yeah, and so Betty's like, is that what your novel is about? And she's pissed. And Jug is like, Betty, wait. Oh shit, shit. And Brett just smirks. Yeah. Licks the end of his pen and goes back to writing. I love it. I love it. They're doing very well with Brett. I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it very much. We go over to the Banui and Veronica and Cheryl chatting. And they're kind of like, okay, we got to figure out how to get this out to our potential customers. And why don't we make the Banui our base of operations? To which Cheryl asks a very appropriate question. Query, didn't your daddykins revoke this place's liquor license? And Veronica's like, well, we wouldn't sell it. We would just hand out samples. Oh, my God. And let's reopen the Bonnui as a dance club. Okay. Reopening the speakeasy as a dance club, not stupid. No. Love it. It's a very teen television show tropey. I like it. It's fine. Peach Pit After Dark. <laughs> the Max. Love it. I'm here for it. Makes total sense. And they're like, okay, so we will have their coat check girl take down the names and orders of potential customers, and then the legitimate money we bring into the club would help fund our shadow operation. This is still fucking stupid, but in their dumb, dumb little 17, 18-year-old brains, this makes sense. For how what we know of these characters, them thinking that they're going to get one over on daddykins, this makes sense. Still dumb, but makes sense. Whoa. Except it's not daddykins that they need to honestly be worried about. Mm -hmm. Like, again, I'm having such a hard time suspending my disbelief for this show and they keep fucking characters over. No, I know. So we're we're thinking that any state alcohol and beverage commission would be cool if you just hand out free samples of your liquor. That's like worse. Apparently she bought pop tates at one point. So like, whatever. It's all ridiculous. We know that we like you. We can't even get into the legality of shit anymore because it's all stupid. I know. I just I hate it. I hate everything about this plan. I feel like it's the dumbest idea they've ever had. I I guess I get that it makes sense in that in that weird teen logic way. 
But I just don't know what teen would ever get to this point with it. Rich, spoiled brats, which is what both of those two are. <sighs> so, so, yeah, uh, we go upstairs and we go upstairs to Pops and Kevin is scrolling his phone. Looking at some very nice abs. Yes. And then Fangs comes in. He's like, Kevin. And Kevin's like, this is not a good time, Fangs. I'm waiting for my grindum date. Barf. <laughs> and Fangs is like, I'm not stalking you. But I do want to apologize for what I did to you. I was under Edgar's control. And like, Ken's like, I get it. Me too. But that doesn't mean we should get back together. It's totally fair. This is a terrible apology from Fangs. Well, Fangs is like, can we just go on a date and see what happens? Which is very cute. Because I want Kevin and Fangs together forever. They don't even have to be dating. I just want them to be best buds forever. Because they're hilarious together. Yeah. They really are. No, we're going to ruin that. Uh Uh-huh. And so... Kevin's just like, sorry, my date got here. And he's like, are you Terry? Blah, blah, blah. They're going to the five seasons. Already. Red flags. Red flags. Cornetines. This is a bad idea. Whatever. Terry is not a teen. <laughs> Terry looks like he's 26. Like, it's like, mm, this is bad, Kevin. This is not great. No. We go back to Stonewall and we're in a classroom now and Betty and Jughead are fighting and Basically, the whole thing is that Betty's mad that Jughead is omitting telling her things. Which, I mean, fair. She is. Basically, it comes out that Betty thinks the only reason he got into Yale is because of the stupid school. And Jughead asks her, do you think I don't deserve this? And she pretty much says yes. She hates the school. She doesn't think he deserves to get into Yale. She doesn't. Yeah, I mean, I I think her explanation later actually does convince me a bit more. Mm-hmm. In that moment, yeah, she feels that. But I think as she explains it, it's more that she's just so frustrated with not getting in that she's lashing out. She's super bitter. And it's the whole, I don't know why, which is fair. But she's being a complete bitch to her boyfriend, too. What Jagga did was wrong. He's he's wrong, but so is she. Yeah. They're both being assholes. Yeah, they are. And it happens. Like... (laughs) That just happens in relationships. It does. So, yikes a We go back to Andrew's construction, and Frank and Archie arriving, and Tom's like, hey, got good news. We got a job offer from the mayor's office. Real money. And Archie says, nope, can't do that. That's Hiram Lodge. Corrupt blood money. Can't do it. My dad wouldn't do it. I won't do it either. And Tom's like, Archie, we can't just do business with people we like. Just listen to Tom. Please listen to Tom Keller. And Frank's like, kid made up his mind, Tom. And... Tom's like, no, uh, I think he's made the wrong decision. And I don't think he should be getting advice from you. Uh-oh. And he's like, yeah, well, I'm family. So I got more say in this than you do. Hold the phone. Te- no. Technically, Frank, you don't get any claim to this business in any way, shape, or form. Unless you were specifically written into Fred's will. Family does not mean shit like that. <laughs> to some people, it does. I know. To Archie, it kind of does. Yeah. But it's just like. Uh-uh. So Archie's like, I've made up my mind. We'll figure out another way. Please don't tell any other crew the morale's low enough as it is. I'm like, this is fucking stupid. Archie, just listen to Tom Keller. Make Tom Keller your surrogate dad. Now we go back to the Not Cooper house. Charles has arrived to talk to Betty. He found out why she didn't get into Yale. And we find out that they didn't want to accept the daughter of the Black Hood. They were afraid that if your father's identity got out, it would generate bad press and problems with other students. So this is devastating. This makes a lot of sense, but I also wouldn't be surprised if this is a lie because it's coming from Charles. Fair, but still, it it sucks. 
It does. Like either way, oh, that's crushing. I think I think it's all a lie. I think Charles has engineered it so that like Betty's application didn't even get submitted to Yale. So her rejection letter is fake. I think all of this is being orchestrated by Charles. Well, we'll see. So we go to Stonewall and Doug has to go confront Brett. You're supposed to be watching my back, not stabbing it. And it's like, look, I didn't do this to hurt you, Jones. I did it to get under Betty's skin before the quiz show finals. So you threw a live grenade into my relationship so you could win a trivia contest? Uh, yeah. That's Brett Weston Wallace, Jughead. That's what it means to be a quill and skull to win at any cost, always. I am so nonplussed by the fact that Jughead does not recognize the monster in front of him. Like, duh. Jughead's not stupid, but Jughead has become comfortable. And one of the things that he's doing with this quill and skull group is that he's giving them the same level of trust that he would give Betty and Archie and Veronica. Because that's who he's spending all his time with. That's who he has this community with right now. And like, that makes total sense. But it's still misplaced. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. We get to the graveyard and Betty is there looking at her father's defaced headstone. And she's just screaming at it. She says, you'll never be satisfied, will you, dad? It wasn't enough that you had to ruin my past, my presence, but you had to destroy my future, too. Even rotting in the ground, you still find a way to torture me. Not anymore. She picks up a sledgehammer and she starts attacking the headstone. She's screaming. Alice shows up. She's like, Betty, Betty, honey, it's okay. Charles told me everything. I'm so sorry. This is a really good scene. Really? I hated it. It makes sense. Because, well, because remember, very beginning of the season, when we're at the cemetery, Betty sees this. It's been defaced. And I told you, Legacy was going to play a big part of this season, and it fucking is. Yeah, I just wish there was a better way to do it than this weird-ass slow-mo shot crap we did with it. I didn't like the slow-mo. I, I would not like the slow-mo, but I liked, I liked that this scene took place because it pays off later with the next scene with Jughead. Yeah. Later. Yeah. Uh, fun fact, it was Jughead was supposed to be the one who showed up, but Cole Sprouse got sick and could not make it to set, so they had to rewrite it on the fly with Alice. Okay. Well, you know what? It works. It worked really well, and I think it makes the other scene much better. Yeah. <sighs> we go over to the Andrews house, and it's another story time. And, you know, Archie shows up, and they're like, hey, you come in as a gamma, grab a soda. And he, Archie goes in the kitchen, and Carlos, one of the other crew guys, comes in to talk to Archie and he's like, hey, I heard we turned down a government contract. Is that true? Where did you hear that? The guy's working on the gig. Okay, like that's just not the kind of job we take. And Carlos says like, some of the other guys are really pissed about it. There's a lot of tension at the site. Something's got to change soon or your crew's going to quit. And some advice to you would be to spend a little more time with your boots on the ground at the site with us. He's in high school. How he, is he supposed to do that? He's the one who's taken over the responsibility of being boss. Uh, Technically, he's their boss, which again is fucking stupid, but that's just the way it is. Because remember, Vic wanted to buy them out and Archie said, fuck no. Uh, which technically, it's really like, where's Mary? But whatever. I, don't, I can't with this anymore. Yeah. I, I just... I <laughs> I know. And again, like, this is a good thing of like, Archie, you're too trusting. Like, you've had other people who have known you way longer than you've known Frank who are telling you something and you're ignoring them because you're clinging to this guy as your father figure. <sighs> yeah. So we go over to the five seasons and it's kissy kissy time with some tickling. I, I can't with this. 
Yeah, Kevin's with this dude, Terry, and he's like, what's with the tickling? And Terry's like, have you ever videotaped yourself? Once. It didn't go well. (laughs) No, videotaped yourself getting tickled. Why does every date I go on get super weird? Again, which is both funny and also super fucking sad. And so Terry explains, it's just tickling, no sex. You don't even have to take off your shirt. I direct you and another hot guy. It's fun and it pays. To which Kevin just throws out, yeah, how much? Five grand a video. What What the fuck? What? And so they're like, okay, like, I'll just work the camera. I, but I have someone who'd be really into you, a total beefcake. What do you say? And Kevin's like, sure. Okay, cool. He's waiting down at the bar, which is fucking creepy. This was a total setup. This is disgusting. It is very disgusting. It starts off funny because of the reference. And now, okay, we're going to plug our other podcast here for a second. <laughs> Macintosh and Mod haven't seen what. Last year during the summer, we did a documentary series. And one of our favorite documentaries we watched is called tickled it is about this very thing i highly recommend you watch this because it is an insane documentary it's available on hbo it's phenomenal and then go listen to our episode about it because it is quite great but essentially these are guys who are being taken advantage of and then later blackmailed so So cool so cool that's what we're gonna do to this vulnerable teen here's here's what's so enraging about this to me Mm -hmm. not only are we once again throwing Kevin Keller under a bus? Yep. We're throwing him under the exact same bus we've thrown him under like three different times. Yep. Like it's bad enough that you're exploiting this character, mm-hmm. but you have to do it in the same fucking way every time. How lazy are you? They are very fucking lazy, David. We knew this. No, no, no. But it's awful. And... Again, this is one of those situations, as mad as you were about Cheryl last episode, Mm -hmm. I'm that mad about Kevin Keller. I have basically written off Kevin as not being a character in the show anymore. Like, he just barely exists, so... I mean, that's fair. Like, they've elevated Cheryl to being one of the main characters, and Kevin has always been, like, not. So I'm kind of... It's hard for me to get too worked up about Kevin's storylines, because they've always sucked with, like two exceptions anytime he's dealing with his dad has been phenomenal this is just more regular kevin garbage woohoo it is but for me after four seasons of this it it, it's irritating me because of the message it's sending yeah and their willingness to just continue Mm -hmm. to fuck over this character man it's really getting to me we go back to the not Cooper house and we're in Betty's room and Jughead has shown up. And she's like, you didn't have to come. Yes, I did, especially after what your mom told me downstairs. Are you okay? And Betty says, I fully spiraled in the cemetery. <laughs> and Jughead says, no, you had a human reaction to a situation that was totally out of your control. I will give them the tiniest bit of credit for this because this is a very important distinction for people with mental illness, that her reaction was very normal. Yeah, she's angry. I certainly dealt with this and that when you are consistently having what you feel are inappropriate reactions to things, when you do have a very big reaction to something, you automatically start feeling like, oh, no, it's wrong. I shouldn't feel this way. When in fact, like, no, this is the time you're supposed to have a reaction like this. Yeah. This is super important to have this distinction. So I do appreciate that. Well, I just I like this whole scene. Because it gets at the root of the problem. Yeah. And it's like, I love you. I really hate it when we fight. You deserve yell jug. And I'm so happy for you. And it's hard for me to untangle that from how sad I am that I won't be going. Again, very fair. Yeah. she And she's sincere. 
Like mm. she has been really hiding her frustration, but in this moment, she's very sincere about, I am so happy for you. Yeah. Because that is awesome. Yeah. And it makes it extra sad for her because she would get to go to Yale with her boyfriend. Yeah. It's, it, it just, it sucks. It super sucks. Yeah. And so then Jughead says, I, I've been thinking about Stonewall got me into Yale, but what if I could pay it forward helping you win? But it's like, you mean the quiz show? He says, no, you've got that in the back. I'm talking about the other bigger game that we're playing. Clue. Clue, 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 clue. And I'm like, hmm, this could be a ref to the story in the impending setup that is going on. Yes, 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 yes. There's something else going on. So, okay. Okay. This is where I'm at with this. Okay. While I agree that it feels like Charles is a setup, Mm -hmm. I think Jughead knows something about Quill and Skull Uh that he knows with Betty, Mm -hmm. and they are figuring out how to dive deeper into this. Mm Mm-hmm. Jughead has been investigating. Yep. Again, they might not do this. Mm -hmm. They might have fucked this whole thing up. To me, it sounds like we are going down this plot line of he's concocting a story Mm -hmm. to make it look like Quill and Skull murdered Jughead. Maybe. And do like this third act reveal. Mm -hmm. And part of that means the friends having to take the fall immediately. Yeah. And deal with this fallout. Mm-hmm. And we'll get to why I think that's plausible right at the very end of the episode. Oh, yeah, totally. We go over to the Bonnui and now it's been reopened as a dance club and we see the girls dancing and it's just so, they're so happy. It's great. This, this is literally the only reason this scene exists. Yep. And then Hiram comes in and is like, I know what you're doing. I'm the grandmaster. And when you play against me, you'll lose every single time. He opens this door, which shows where all of the rum is, and he takes a sledgehammer, because this is a sledgehammer episode, and he smashes all the bottles of rum. Again, I just don't understand. You thought that because you're not making people pay money for it, that it was just going to be magically okay? Yep. What? (laughs) Every single person in there could have been arrested or given a ticket for minor inconsumption. Yeah. Yep. It's really bad. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? Fine. I'm rooting for Hiram at this point. Fuck mm-hmm. all of this. Like, Hiram, I hope you win. Yep. I'm done. Yep. We go back to the Five Seasons Hotel and this new hot guy is setting up all these cameras. And Kevin's like, are you sure he understands what kind of video we're making? That it's just tickling. They're like worried about lighting and the bed. Well, and and like- this guy is like four inches taller than Kevin, completely ripped and cracking his knuckles. Yeah, and he doesn't have a shirt on. And Terry's like, relax, Daryl's one of my top earners and subscribers love it when opposites pair up. Ew, ew. Yeah, Kevin's just a punching bag. Yeah, pretty oh, much. Oh, and I didn't even catch that. How fucking racist is that line? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Trust me, I've done hundreds of these. Did you say hundreds? What kind of operation are you running? And Terry's just like, play your cards right, stud, and you'll find out. So like, ugh, this is not good. And I have a theory about how this is going to come to play later in the season. Actually, in the next episode, put a pit into it till next time. But fuck this. I know. It's fuck it, fuck it, fuck it, fuck it. Anyways, we go back down to Le Bon Mui, and the girls are sad. Except they still have rum they're making at Thistle House. And so like, okay, what are we going to do? And it's like, every, my dad's just going to keep raiding this place. And Cheryl's like, Yes, he will raid this place. Why are you saying that like it's a good thing? (laughs) Because I've just had one of my hellaciously simple yet brilliant ideas. It's not brilliant. It's not brilliant, but it also makes sense. She's like, okay, let's keep this place open as a nightclub, as a distraction. So he focuses on this. We relocate our rum business elsewhere. 
Veronica's like, do you happen to have one of these magical realms tucked away in your back pocket? And Cheryl's like, back pocket? We're like top floor. Oh. Okay. Interesting. So I I instantly knew what they were getting at. And I'm, again, I don't hate this, but I hate it with all of the Hiram crap. Like this, the big show. They should never have gone to talk to him. He should have just shown up, smash all their bottles. None of this back and forth. And it's just been like, what are we going to do? And it's like, oh, we have this place we can go. Uh-huh. Like it needed to be much more simplified. So it's less stupid. But- that's not Riverdale. Mm-hmm. So we go back to the hotel and it's post them filming this video. Why did we go back this many times to this? Because there has to be a passage of time. Ugh. And it's like, Kev, you're a natural. You've got a great timber in your laugh. Ugh. You can make a lot more if and when you build a following. And Kevin's like, this is a one time thing. That's a shame. You could make some serious bank. And so Kevin's like, all right. Let me ask you, would I always have to work with Daryl? Daryl's like, Daryl's popular, but no. Why did you have someone in mind? Okay, so. Kevin. Kevin. Yeah, exactly. Kevin. God damn it, Kevin. Go go talk to your father. Oh, my God. Okay. What happened between those two? (gasps) Daddy got married to the love of his life. And Kevin. and And his stepsister ran off. And Kevin got ramrodded into a cult. Oh, and he lost a kidney. That must have been where his brain was located. (laughs) So we go to the Maple Club, which this is a good reuse of the set piece. Mumsy's old brothel, the Maple Club. Yeah. It's the most exclusive gentleman's club in town just sitting here. Okay, but is a former cat house really on brand for our female empowerment startup? Fuck off, Veronica. Mommy Dreadful was certainly no ally to the cause, but that doesn't mean we can't use this place to our own purposes. Hey, how about the fact that a place where a bunch of ladies were like doming the most rich men in America is actually pretty fucking cool and empowering and fuck off with this sex work shaming that you're doing? Her mom's the worst, so like... I, I get it, but like Veronica's line is like, fuck you. If she had leaned into like the association with Penelope's mom and not the association with the sex work, it would have been better. Yeah. Yeah. It's. And so Cheryl starts listing off the reasons why this is great. The rent's been prepaid for a year, private drinking club, premium security system, and a list of Riverdale's richest rubes. And she like, she knocks this cabinet and a book falls out. And Veronica looks at her, she's like, oh my God, look at all this. And it's like, yeah, these are people with money. <laughs> and so Veronica's like, let's tap these scumbags like maple trees and make some real money. And so then they get on the phone. There's this little phone call montage and they're on vintage phones. And it's really stupid, but it's also kind of cute. It's very Riverdale comic booky. Yeah, but if at a certain point, it feels like they're making it sexy for no reason. Like the close up on Cheryl's lips and the fingers. And I was like, why are we doing that? That's everything they do. I know. That's all they do. Here's the thing. We used to ride with it because they would just go wacky with the storylines. And now because we're repeating boring storylines, it's just accentuating all of the horrible shit they did. Yeah. So they both finish with them both saying, we'll put you at the top of the list. And then they cut to them like chilling and veronica says between senior year and operating le bon nuit as a cover we're taking on quite a load which is a horrible line to say on a show like this <laughs> i i'm sorry but i couldn't and they said we need a live-in manager who's beholden to us who will live eat and sleep here to ensure things run smoothly 
I have the perfect candidate. Cut directly to the bunker. And Veronica says, you've got to be kidding me. Cheryl, she's a killer. So is Betty's father. So is your father. True. (laughs) Fair. And Penelope's just sitting there. Why have you come for me, nightmare child? (laughs) So they're like, all right, come on. Like, I love this and I hate this at the same time. Oh, it's it's the stupidest, but it does almost rise to that level of, wow, you just really went for it. At least it's fun, stupid. All right, we go over to the construction job site. Tom Keller comes out of the trailer yelling that there's 200 bucks missing from petty cash. And Frank says, yeah, I borrowed it against my salary. You mean you stole it? Blah, blah, blah. Punchy, punchy, punchy. And Tom quits. Good. Good. So later at the Andrews home, Frank's like, are you still going to give me the silent treatment? I stuck my neck out for you, Frank. How the hell could you steal from the teal? I didn't steal it. I borrowed it against my future salary. Oh my God. That's not a thing. You dipshit. No. And Archie says, you know, if you need the money, why don't you come to me? Because you're my nephew. I'm a 40 year old man. I did eight years in the military, seven of that in combat. And how the hell do you think it makes me feel to ask a teenager for a loan? I do get that. I totally get that. But also grow the fuck up. It's you that. And it, and, and it really just is the thing. Like, you can do advances, but you have to go ask for it. Well, Archie lets him have it later, appropriately. And Archie's like, what is it for? I got a hot tip. Sure thing at the track. You're gambling. I was trying to earn the money to pay the guys their bonuses, but go ahead and think the worst, Archie. Everybody else does. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I was like, a hot tip? Is this the 1940s? Who the fuck are you? Go the fuck up. So it's quiz show time. We're back at the set. And Jughead has brought Mr. Brooks, the Yale recruiter here. And Betty's like, what, what, what? And Mr. Brooks says, it's a pleasure to meet you. Forsyth was insistent. I see you in action. He's your biggest cheerleader. And they're just all very sweet. And Alice is there. And she's like, Jughead told me about the recruiter. So if you win, you get another shot. Yeah, if I I wasn't already stressed out enough. Oh, honey, I'm sorry, but I'm just really excited for you. I left you a present in the green room, which is never a good thing. Nope. Betty goes to the green room and she sees there's an envelope sitting there. She opens it and it's the questions. Alice. And she goes, oh, God, mom, what did you do? Alice, God damn it. So now we come back from a commercial break and it's showtime. And it's just back and forth, back and forth. I do like that there's this one little mean girls reference. The limit does not exist. Betty answers something really fast. And then Cheryl and Tony look at her like, why are we even here? It's like she knows the answers before the questions are even asked. Uh-oh. And then it goes down to like final showdown. That everything's tied and it's Brett versus Betty. And the question is, in a manual transmission vehicle, what mechanical device connects two or more rotating shafts? <laughs> Brett says spark plug. Which that, is so completely wrong. That is incorrect. And Betty just looks at him and goes, the clutch. Because Betty. It's Betty. It's, Betty knows cars. Betty knows cars. That was, you know what? I'm going to say that was our writer. That was our writer doing the callback there. Another. Thank you, writer. Riverdale won. Yay, victory for all. And then Jughead comes in. This is so fucking cute. I'll take Jeannie's girlfriends for 200, Alex. And Betty says, I don't know what's better, the win or the look on Brett's face. And Jughead just picks up, we're going to solve every mystery in Connecticut, and we're going to eat a lot of pizza. <laughs> I fucking love that. Why, why can't we have more of that, Jughead? Why? Because we got to fake murder him. I know. 
we cut to the Not Cooper house. They're putting the trophy on the mantle. And Alice is like, I'm so glad that you're not beating yourself up. You did what you had to. Gross. And Betty's like, yeah, not the way you think, Mom. I didn't use the answers you stole. I tore those up and threw them away. No. I wanted to beat Brett fair and square. You should never have thrown them away. You should have torn them up and put them in your back pocket and then burned them at home in the fireplace. Uh Uh-huh. But you were dumb. I don't. Yeah. Or this is part of the plan. Could be. Yeah, I could see it. If there, if there are two people in this show who I believe in doing a long game plan, Jughead and Betty. Of course. They're the only two who could do that. We cut over to Archie's room. Frank walks in and throws down a giant stack of money. I take it the bet came in. Yeah, I turned 200 into 10 grand. It's enough to pay the bonuses. We good now? What? All right. How? What kind of bet did he land? Yeah, exactly. I don't believe this so much. And Archie's like, this is great, but we're not good. When you took the money, it felt like you were stealing from my dad. Frank says, I was just trying to help. And Archie says, it's not what you did, it's how you did it. <laughs> Andrew's construction is just a business. It's my dad's legacy. We treat it with honor, with respect. This can't happen again. And so I do like that this is Archie being actually pretty mature. Like the way they're writing Archie here in this moment, he does sound exactly like Fred. Oh, yeah. And Frank says, you sound just like him. And I understand. And I can guarantee you he skips town. I'll fucking cut him out immediately. Yeah. This is bad. This is very bad. Yep. So we cut to Betty is walking down the hall at school and everybody's cheering. And Betty's actually like full on smiling, which she doesn't do very often. And the C's part. This is part. And she walks up to Mr. Honey. We did it. We won. You did, Miss Cooper. And apparently how you did it is a grave problem. I don't understand. And then he's like, he pulls out the torn up answer sheet. He's like, this was found in the trash can inside your green room. My office now. Oh, oh he's pissed. Shit. But you knew this was going to happen. <laughs> so we cut to the not Cooper house and Betty has thrown her bag on the table. And Alice, was the school called. I tried convincing Mr. Honey that you had nothing to do with it. That I was trying to give you an advantage to balance the damage your father has done. I know, mom. But he's like, why aren't you at work? Uh, apparently somebody told my station manager and I've been put on leave without pay for who knows how long. Yep. And, somebody already knew about this in advance. Yeah. And Alice is like, I don't know. How do they find out? Like, there's where's the evidence? I was so careful. And Betty's like, someone must have dug through my trash. Probably Brett. You didn't even use the answers. And like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. They've reversed it and Stonewall Prep wins. And I've been suspended pending further investigation. Nobody's going to believe her. I mean, that Alice is so dumb in this moment. Yeah, it's just absurd. I kind of hate it. We go back to school and we're in the hallway. It's Kevin talking to Fangs. Before I say what I'm about to say, Fangs, I want to make one thing clear. This is not about me wanting to get back together. Understand? Things is like, I've heard better opening lines. <laughs> love it. I love them together. They're so funny. I have a proposal for you. It's good money. On camera work. It's a little weird, but I'll definitely be less weird if I do it with someone I know. On camera? What are you talking about? Just promise me you'll keep an open mind. And Fangs just says, okay, stud. Which is very AC Slater and I adore it. So there are two ways that they could make this work. Uh-huh. One They both have to be consenting and into it. Mm -hmm. And two, they have to get together as an actual couple in the process of doing this. I don't need them to get back together as a couple. I need them to squash their issues. They need to both openly acknowledge what they did to each other, how that was messed up, and be okay with each other. They don't have to still be a couple. 
but they do need to like fully talk about what happened and come to a place where they can be friends because they were great as friends. But yeah, I don't. They're gonna get well. They're gonna get exploited. And it's going to be really fucking gross. Well, if that's the thing that brings them together so that they can heal and be best buds for life, fine. Like, fucking hate it, but I just want to see Kevin and Fangs be adorable together. Maybe that's they, all I want. Maybe they take down a competitive tickling ring while they're at it. Sure. That would make sense. <sighs> I, I have a theory. And it has to do with future episodes. So we'll talk about it post this episode. We cut on over to Pops and Archie's talking to Tom. He's like, thanks for meeting me. I just wanted to make sure you got your bonus and to apologize. And Tom's like, I'm a grown man, Archie. I can take care of myself. <laughs> Archie's like, would you consider coming back to Andrew's construction? And Tom says, you know I want to, but if Frank's going to be around, I don't think it's a good idea. And Archie says, well, what if I made you a foreman? And Tom just goes, Archie, you're a good kid. You always have been, but you trust too much. Mm-hmm. Thank you, grown up. Thank you, grown up. Grown up who has lived life. And Archie's like, I know who my Uncle Frank is, Mr. Keller. Sure, he's a mixed bag, but I can't turn my back on my family. Which, again, it's just Archie clinging to family. Frank is a piece of his dad that he didn't he didn't have. And he feels like he has part of his dad back. And I, I totally like that. All of this makes sense. I like that Tom says, I understand that. Good luck to you. I just pray that Frank Andrews isn't the end of your dad's company. And this is good warning. And like, Tom's not better. It's just like, Dude, this isn't good. Frank's going to milk the business for everything it's worth and run the fuck away. Possibly. That's what he's going to do. We go over to the Maple Club. Blah, blah, blah. Pop Tate. Apparently, La Bonne just got raided again. And so, like, they're serving drinks and then they're happy because our two income streams are being up and running. Gross. And so then we hear Penelope, is this mask absolutely necessary? And she is wearing this plastic mask over her face. And it is insane. And I love it. Meet the Phantom of the Maple Club. It's great. It's mandatory, Mother. Unless you want someone to find out your identity, you'll keep that false face on and stay within the walls of the Maple Club. And then Tony <laughs> comes in and says, and if you get the itch to run, the ankle monitor and proximity sensor I put on you will start screeching like a cat in heat, Mrs. Blossom. That's funny. I like it. They put an ankle monitor on her. I mean, it is, but can we just let Tony be her own person for once in her freaking character's life? Nope. At least you're not in that Petri dish of a teen sex bunker. <laughs> I do like that they called it the sex bunker because I've been calling it that forever. Hello, writer. <laughs> so then we go over to the Stonewall dorm and this scene feels very staged. Jughead just runs into the room. You're a pathological lunatic. You know that, Brett. I know what you did to Betty. And he's just like, what? And Jughead just keeps going. You consider yourself to be an elite man of honor, but you're nothing more than a joke and a coward. And Brett says, you know, when you say things like that, Forsyth, it really upsets me. Oh, he's actually getting pissed, though. Mm -hmm. Like, you could see him really getting shaken. I'm sorry, have I besmirched your precious honor? Because as stated by the Quill and Skull Charter, any dispute between two members can be solved according to the Code of the Society of the Founding Fathers, a duel. You can't be serious. Oh, I am as serious as a shot to the heart. Are you scared? Now I'm amused at the thought of your ponytailed girlfriend weeping over your dead body. That's not going to happen. So sudden death? Yes or no? Yeah, this feels very, very fucking staged. It's staged. I will say, Jughead is playing the part really well because yes. he's trying to sell and piss Brett off. Yes. No, I love it. It's and he does it. Cut to four weeks later. Betty's sitting in Pops and she's looking very upset. Archie comes in. He sits down with her. Yeah. 
Hi, I got here as soon as I could. What's going on? I don't think I can do this anymore, Arch. I keep waiting for Jug to come back, but he doesn't and he won't. He won't ever come back. And I don't know how I'm supposed to keep going. And Archie takes her hand day by day, Betty. We'll get through this together. And then she takes his hand back. And then she just looks at him very longingly. And in my notes, I wrote, hello, Barchi. Well, I, w- I just did Barchi with exclamation points and question marks. Yeah. Riverdale. Okay. There's a part of me that thinks that Archie doesn't know what the whole plane is because it's Archie. So, okay. I could see Betty faking her being so upset about Jack being dead because she really knows she's, she's dead. But in order to help sell it, she's got to lean into Archie. And because, okay, here's what happens. If Jughead is dead and they all graduate, Veronica's going off to college. Archie's staying put. Betty's staying put. So they're home. They're going to start dating. That's part of how they sell this whole thing. So I could see that being the reason how they get to Barchi. I also think Archie might know. I can see a couple different ways where that could happen. This scene makes me feel like at least at this moment is not when Archie knows what's going on. Well, what it makes me feel like is no matter what, it is sincere on her part. Mm-hmm. Because I, I think there's a scenario where, yes, he absolutely does understand what's going on. But she is confiding in him the truth of when is he going to come back? You know, on the surface, you're thinking, well, he's never going to come back. But the truth of it and what she's saying is like, it's been this long. He was supposed to be back already. What the fuck is going on? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know how much longer I can keep this up. Yeah. And I think that to me feels more honest because I, I, I think there's a plan and I feel like the plan went pear shaped. Yeah. And now they're trying to figure out how to get out from under it. (laughs) Or the heat is just so on them. And they're like, I'm trying to ride this out, but it's really fucking hard. Maybe. That's the way I read it. But like, in every way, this totally feels like we're, we're forcing this fake story that we've been hinting at and seeing this entire time. Yeah. And I just, I don't see any way where Betty actually killed Jughead. In any form or fashion. (laughs) Fair. All right. So we're going to take a quick little break. We're going to go watch next time on. And then we're going to talk about that. And I'm going to talk about my theory about Kevin in future episodes. Oh. All right. Right, next week, it's chapter 69, Men of Honor. Archie grows concerned for Frank after someone from his past arrives. Betty and Alice's investigation into incidents at Stonewall Prep leads them on a collision course. Tony, Kevin, and Fang seek revenge against Nick St. Clair. Oh, my God. Okay, so this tickling ring, this whole endeavor is being perpetuated by Nick St. Clair. Jesus Christ. That's the only reason to bring him back. And that's the only reason why Kevin and Fangs would go after him. So I hope I'm right because I'm a genius. I just, I can't, I can't believe they're doing that. I hate it, but I'm also like, okay. It's it's close enough to Edgar in a fucking evil Knievel rocket was, that I'm kind of okay with it. it so hot. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was great. Okay. Who's from Frank's past can't, came back? And beating up Archie. Yeah. Well, we don't know if it's that. We assume that's probably the person who's beating up Archie because we can't tell who he's fighting in the bathroom at school. And it might be multiple people. It kind of looks like it might be different people that are beating him up. Yeah. 
And then we see there's a fight going on at school. There's some fencing going on at Stonewall. So I guess they're having their duel. Though the fencing could be a flashback, which is what I think because, okay, so Betty and Alice are investigating Stonewall because they don't have work or school. So they're going to go investigate. (laughs) So, okay, the duel, that could also be Forsyth the first. That's my thinking right now. Okay, but somebody from his past. I'm thinking it's not necessarily Frank's past. I'm thinking it's Dodger. Oh, that would work. Dodger's crew is coming back for him, and there's a connection to Frank. Oh no, that's how Frank got the real the money. That's who. That's yes. yeah. He's yeah. selling fucking drugs. He yes. already gave his he's, best friend yeah, pills. Yeah, he's selling all those pills. Yeah, that makes sense. It's Dodger. It's that's, so Dodger. That'd be cool. But we can't forget. Also next week, Katie Keene is gonna show up in Riverdale. <laughs> I don't care. Fine. Cool. Okay. I do like the shade that they throw Riverdale in their episodes, in their in their commercials. And like, Josie, we don't want you to go long. I'm from Riverdale, the murder capital of the world. I'll be fine. <laughs> That's funny. But I miss Josie. Kevin needed his sibling. They are so adorable together. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe they'll let Casey Cott just go over there and play. That'd be good. That'd be the best. That would be fantastic. Please, please do. All right. Well, that's it for this week. So until next time, hashtag Go Bulldogs. Thanks for listening. Be sure to review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For questions, comments, and recommendations, you can email us at macintoshandmod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.